What's up, everybody? So now that we have a little background from yesterday's podcast on who the woman, the child, and the dragon are, which we know the woman is Israel, the child is Jesus, the Messiah, and the dragon is Satan. So with that, we can pick up with where we left off yesterday. And we also know that Israel has been public enemy number one ever since the that say ever since Satan realized that the Messiah was going to come out of the nation of Israel. God made a covenant with them and Satan despises them greatly, wanting nothing more than to destroy them, giving himself some kind of satisfaction and you know as if he bested God or something. But we know that will never happen because God is sovereign and the devil doesn't stand a chance. He can't do anything that God doesn't allow him to. Okay, he still has to ask God for permission, so to speak. He only has the the power that God grants him. So Today we begin by discussing a battle that breaks out in heaven between the good angels and the fallen angels. The result of this battle leaves the devil or dragon enraged and angry. This causes him to lash out at something that is close to God, uh, to God's heart, and that is the woman or the people of Israel. When that becomes a dead end, he turns his wrath toward the only thing left, her offspring. I'm telling you, this passage is like something straight out of a movie. It is intense and will keep you on the edge of your seat if you allow yourself to truly visualize the magnitude of what John is describing. With that said, let's jump into the rest of chapter 12. Revelation 12, 7 through 9 says, Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, talking about the devil, he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, the ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. Okay, let's pause here for a minute and clarify some details. It is really easy to read this passage and think that it is referring to the fall of Lucifer, or Satan, and the one-third of the angels that fell with him, as described earlier when it said that the that the dragon's tail swept one-third of the stars out of the sky. So, But there are some key details that will lend themselves to the reality that this is an actual battle that breaks out in heaven during the early part of the second half of the tribulation period. Let me explain. Verse 6 ends with talking about the woman, Israel, fleeing into the wilderness to escape the dragon, which we will come back to after this battle, later in this episode. Then in verse 7, John uses that, the phrase, Then war broke out in heaven. Remember right now what John is seeing is a continuous vision. So when he is talking about the woman fleeing in the, and then he says, Then a war broke out in heaven, he is indicating that it happens in the midst of what he was just describing. I also believe, based on the way it is worded, that Michael and the good angels are the ones that start the battle with Satan and his fallen angels. Now, you might ask why. And all we can do is speculate but in that regard, but let me offer this intriguing thought for now. What if Satan sees the people of Israel, or the woman, fleeing and wants to stop them, but he is preoccupied or distracted by a battle with Michael and the angels of heaven? This battle would, would serve, you know, and does serve multiple purposes, which... I will get to shortly, but it would also serve as a distraction, allowing the people of Israel to get a head start on escaping to the place of refuge and protection that God has prepared for them. Remember, it says 
that Michael and his angels fought against the dragon known as Satan and his angels, the fallen. And it says they fought back, but they aren't strong enough. Talking about Satan and his angels. And Satan is defeated and hurled to the earth along with his misfit fallen angels. Then it says that Satan and the fallen angels lose their place in heaven. You see, they may have lost their position in heaven when they rebelled back at the beginning in the garden during the, the time of Adam and Eve. Back before that, when they rebelled, they might have lost their position, but they never lost access to heaven. And we know that because Job reminds us of, of that fact. Job 1, 6-7 says, Now there was a day when the sons of God, referring to the angels, came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them, meaning he could still go before the throne in heaven. The Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From roaming about on the earth and walking around on it. So here Job shows us that Satan has access to heaven and the throne of God. So he can go back and forth from heaven to earth. Now you might say, why would God allow that? Why didn't God just ban him and his angels uh, from heaven back when they when they rebelled? You know, hang on, and I will answer that shortly. Back to the, uh, what I was saying though about the devil having access to the throne, and why this battle is not referring to the rebellion of Satan and his angels that happened long ago. Let's take a look at the next verse in chapter twelve. Verse ten says, "Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now." Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, referring to Satan, that's one of his many names. He's called the accuser. So it says, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters uh, who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. This indicates that Satan has been going before God in heaven constantly uh, since the beginning, accusing the believers. Basically, he goes to God and trash talks us, pointing out all our failures and, and sin. But Jesus is there as our defense counsel to remind Satan that he needs to shut his mouth. His argument has no merit because Jesus' blood covers us and we are made righteous because of him. So back to what I was saying, this can't be describing the rebellion of Satan uh, and his fallen that happened back in the time, you know, before Adam and Eve in the garden around that time, because there was no brothers and sisters in Christ. There was no brothers and sisters for him to accuse before God day and night. And there was no sin until Adam and Eve was tempted in the garden. And at that time, Satan had already rebelled uh, from God. So therefore, the evidence clearly points to the reality that this battle happens during the early part of the second half of the tribulation period. Also, we read earlier where it said that as a result of losing this battle, Satan and his fallen angels lost their place in heaven. When put together with everything else that I previously mentioned, we understand that after they are thrown down to the earth, they lose their place, or a better way of putting that is they lose their access to heaven. This enrages the devil, and we will get to that more in a minute. Verse 11 describes how the believers deal with Satan once he is confined to the earth and in general. And it says, They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. 
They did not love their, their lives so much as to shrink from death. This is how we defeat the attacks of the enemy. It is by the blood of the Lamb that we have power over the enemy and his lies. And we shut down those lies with the word of our testimony. It is by our testimony that we share the truth of the gospel with others, thus snatching more people out of the hands of Satan and, and, into, and bringing them into the kingdom of Christ. Then it says that they did not value their life over their love and faith in Christ. So they were not afraid to die for their faith and be a martyr for Christ. They embraced it knowing that they would be rewarded in heaven for their faith. You know, verse 12 says, Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. So those who are in heaven like us, yeah, like we will be, and those who have died or have been martyred for their faith can rejoice. But he says, woe to those who remain on earth during this time because uh, because the devil has gone down to, to them, you know, to you. And he is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. Okay, so now we pick up with what I was saying earlier about the devil being enraged and furious after being thrown down to earth and having his access to heaven revoked, so to speak. And why God waited until now to do that. Satan understands that certain things signal where everything is at in the timeline. He knows that when his access to heaven is revoked, his end is near. So he is now acting like a wild animal that has been cornered. And he begins lashing out and unleashing his rage on the people of God. This is also one reason why I believe God did not restrict his access to heaven before this time. Because by revoking his access early, earlier, it would have unleashed Satan's wrath and anger on the earth much earlier. It would have provoked him much earlier. I believe that God potentially pacified the devil to a degree, allowing him to arrogantly come before the throne accusing the believers, knowing that a time was coming that Satan would be confined to the earth and his anger would be poured out uh, on those who remain on the earth. You know, banning Satan to the earth and kind of revoking his access and kind of locking him down to where he could only be uh, on the earth. I, I believe it provoked him and angered him so Thus using the devil, so God uses the devil to carry out the final part of his judgment. So John writes, Woe to those left on the earth because the dragon has been cornered and he is furious. And that fury will, will result in a great misery for those who still remain on the earth. Like a movie, right here the scene cuts away from the scene in heaven with the people rejoicing and the woe being given to those who remain and move to Satan realizing that he has been thrown to the earth and denied any further access to heaven. Realizing his end is near, he turns his rage toward the woman or Israel as they are fleeing. Satan has known for a long time what is written, but he will fight tooth and nail to cause as much chaos and misery as he can until Jesus returns. Verse 13 and 14 says, When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child, talking about the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. The woman was given uh, the two wings of a great eagle so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be taken care of for a time, times and a half a time. 
out of the serpent's reach. He pursued the woman, meaning the people of Israel had already begun their escape, and now he goes after them. I believe, of course, they were they were they were given time because of the battle. The reference to the woman being given two wings of a great eagle as she flees into the wilderness, escaping her pursuer, can easily be connected with Israel's escape from their pursuer, uh, the Pharaoh, and his army as they were fleeing Egypt, headed into the wilderness back in Exodus. Exodus 19.4 says, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. This is referring to God's swift intervention, allowing the Israelites to escape their pursuers by crossing the Red Sea on dry land, and then God swallowing their pursuers by bringing the water down on them as they tried to catch the Israelites. God supernaturally intervened, protecting Israel from the Pharaoh, allowing them to escape into the wilderness where he took care of them and provided for them during that time. Now we see a mirror of the Egypt exodus as we see the people of Israel uh, in this second half of the tribulation. We see the people of Israel fleeing the dragon and God once again will supernaturally intervene, allowing them to escape into the wilderness out of the reach of the serpent, which we know as the devil or dragon. And they will, be prote- they will be protected and provided for, just like their ancestors were protected and provided for when they uh, went into the wilderness and escaped Egypt. Then it says that they will be protected for a time, times and a half a time, which we know means three and a half years. So we know that it's going to be throughout the duration of the Great Tribulation or the second half of the Tribulation period, the last three and a half years. Now, Look at what the devil tries to do to the people as they flee into the wilderness. Verse 15 says, Then from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with the torrent. It is unsure how the devil will cause this water like a river to come forth and overtake them and sweep them away. But the reference is clear. Satan is trying to duplicate what God did to the Egyptians who pursued God's people when they they crossed the Red Sea. Uh, So God allowed the water to overtake them, talking about the Egyptians, and sweep them away, killing them all. Satan tries to do the same thing to God's people here. As you will see going forward, Satan will continuously try to mimic the miracles of Jesus and God. But Satan apparently is too arrogant and prideful to realize you can't one-up the Most High God. Satan tries to drown God's people like God did the Egyptians. But God reminds him who is in control once more as he opens the earth, swallowing up the water and protecting the the people of Israel. So if you are keeping score, it is Satan zero and God, well, I lost count. So God's people get away and Satan loses again. His ego takes another hit and his anger burns even more now, knowing that he can't get to the people of God Uh, represented by the woman, he now turns his full anger and rage toward the only thing left, her offspring. And that is those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Basically, anyone who is a believer that is left, Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter. At this point, the stage is set and the devil will go and wage war against the believers that are left and many will be martyred. Okay, Okay, guys, that is it for chapter 12. 
Things are really heating up, but God is steadily at work protecting his people as he promised he would long ago through the prophets. And for me, it is so comforting knowing that God is a keeper of his word. Okay, well, the stage is is being set, and tomorrow we move to chapter 13 where we will learn about the beast of the sea and the beast of the earth as Satan begins to assemble his unholy trinity and tries to mimic God. Thank you, Lord, that you are a covenant God, a keeper of your word. It brings such comfort and peace knowing that your word is true and that you will never break your word or covenants. This means all of us who are believers can find hope in the promises written in your word. One day the enemy will will be thrown into hell permanently and we will dwell with you for an eternity. Free of pain and suffering and sickness and death and mourning and all the struggles of this life, they will all pass away. For your people you know, will be blessed beyond measure. Fill your people with the hope of your word. Let us walk boldly in our faith as we trust in you and your plan. Give us wisdom and discernment. Help us to know and recognize your hand moving in our life and give us the wisdom to respond accordingly when we see you move. Let us always remember to give you all the praise and may our lives bring honor to your name. Amen.